Welcome to Chaotic Harmony. My name is John. This is Crystal. We talk about the joys and the challenges of teaching music in the elementary school classroom. We share struggles, we brainstorm solutions. And we would love to have you join us. Welcome back for another episode. Here we go. Here we go. So today we are going to talk about something that I think everyone can relate with. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you cannot let us know, I'm really curious. But we <laughs> I want to know where you went. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. No, because like, so we were, we all went through credentialing programs. Uh-huh. Um, and I was a music ed major in undergrad. I was not. Mm-hmm. I was a music comp major and music ed major. I mentioned this in probably one of my, the earlier episodes, and we'll probably get to that in a bit. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, as we went through our programs and also through our credentialing pro- programs, we looked back and we realized, you know, there were some holes. There were a couple of holes, maybe a lot of holes. <laughs> it <laughs> like, was like Swiss cheese. Like, why didn't they teach us how to prepare to? Te- how did they? Why didn't they teach us to prepare for us when we taught in COVID? Right. Come on. Like Come global on. <laughs> global pandemics were not a chapter you in my should, book. <laughs> you should have thought about this. <laughs> but for realsies, um, like so what did we not learn in undergrad? What did we not learn in undergrad? Or mm-hmm. I, I would extend it. What did we not learn in our edu- in our formalized education? Mm. Yeah, that's true because I have my master's too, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Crystal, first huh. off, so you said you went, you had a music ed major. Yeah. Um. Before we get to the negative elements, or sure. what are some things that you learned there that were positive? Oh my gosh, so many wonderful things. Um, I I feel like the most important specifically from you getting. I, mean, I, mean, I know I'm trying occupation. to zone in, but yeah, yeah I, I I was thinking that. Yeah. Um, I the most important thing I think you get by going to school is the connections. Definitely, you get mentors, you get Definitely. friends, you get people who align with your philosophy. Um, I, or I don't, got a and you really learn how to work with that. <laughs> got a really good looking guy out of the deal too. So, don't. hey babe, um, <laughs> the man behind the curtain, not him, not not Jonathan. Um. Yeah, I so I'm really grateful for the relationships that I made in college. Okay. I'll say that. Um and I learned I I I've it was the beginnings of me starting a journey into becoming a better musician. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Um just overall, you get a good basis in history and theory and all kinds of stuff. You know, Definitely. like you you, you learn a, a little bit about a lot of things. And yeah. I, it's kind of like a buffet. It's like Here's all the things, and then you decide which which pieces are your favorites, and right. then you kind of dig into that. But what I what I didn't really understand about college is that it wasn't an end; it was a beginning. I don't think a lot of people understand when they go into college what they're expecting. Sure, like, but yeah, that's similar, fair. Similar for me. In retrospect, yeah. it wasn't so much the education. Mm-hmm. Well, I learned a lot, and but the connections were the most valuable. I mm-hmm. think about my like my greatest mentors, like. Dr. Keith Peterson, amazing person. And I learned mm-hmm. a lot from him. Uh, same thing with Bill Clements. I learned a lot from him. But like, um, it was the, the, the form, like, and I also learned a lot from the, the courses as well. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to education, right. um, like, how to actually be a teacher. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. I, I learned a decent amount for secondary, but I didn't go into secondary. Yeah. I learned it, how to use the instrument. Exactly. It prepared but, me to be a band, choir, or orchestra director. As they say on Twitter, BOC. <laughs> for, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now I do. Um, Which sounds too much like POC. I was just yeah, thinking that. That's problematic. That should change. It should. Anyways. Yeah. Huh. I just have Cobb, to breathe COP. everything. COB. Um, yeah. 
so if I had gone into one of those those type of ensemble positions in middle school or high school, I think I would have been a lot better prepared um, because that's where all of our professors came from. Exactly. Was that world. <laughs> there was not a single person on the permanent staff who came from an elementary background. That's a very key caveat on mm-hmm. the permanent staff. Um, yeah. Both you and I, we had different teachers. We went to the same... Um, adjuncts. Yes. We mm-hmm. went to the same university but our teachers were several different. years apart but yeah right about four years so is that it yeah i thought it was more I graduate yeah. 12 you graduate 08, uh, 08 oh, right you're right all right yeah we just but, missed each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh but our ad uh, the, the the individuals who taught elementary music methods okay were different teachers yeah and they were not permanent staff yeah and i think that's sure and telling. not every not every professor had a education background period you know like i think dr dan nelson was the only one uh, yeah, you don't have to have any pedagogical experience like in a classroom in order to become a Correct. college professor, which I think is something that needs to change. I think that that's important, but that's, that, that's, that's another soapbox for, for another day. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll put that one aside. Um, <laughs> we should have like a sound. We, we should have a soundboard, like a little, let's put that aside. Boop, like Don, some sort of sound Ivory, effect which soapbox are we going for? Um, <laughs> um yeah, there were plenty of things that uh, I felt just thoroughly and utterly unprepared for. First of all, being classroom management. Like walking into my my classroom on day one and not really even knowing where to begin with classroom management. I remember it being talked about uh-huh. in my credentialing, pro- credentialing program. Mm-hmm. But two things. First off, I think that the credentialing program expected you to have gone through the liberal arts majors, like the, oh, okay. the, the, that you took classes as a general ed teacher, mm-hmm. which we weren't. We were not aiming to be a general ed teacher, right? So the expe- and it is a different beast. So when they started talking about classroom management, a lot of this, like the the, the jargon that was used, like they expected you to understand already. It's like, I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I need to take a test, so I'm just gonna fill these out mm-hmm. as a and like maybe so it's very my own theoretical. Failing. It was very more theoretical, mm-hmm. and it was more expected that you understood certain things before this class, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I, there was a lot because you had no experience to attach it to. Exactly, I did not. Yeah, exactly. I did not take take classes before my credentialing program, and specifically in classroom management. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, maybe that's a failing on me that I didn't ask the, the professor to slow down, mm-hmm. but. Still, like that should like, that I I had so little understanding of what classroom management might have looked like mm-hmm. in the general ed space and also in the music ed space specifically. Yeah, I've always really liked being around kids, and when I was in high school, I spent a lot of time volunteering with, um, like, you know, the kids' um, youth programs at church, <laughs> and like, you know, like I just I really loved babysitting and. Um, and when I went to undergrad, I remember getting like two years into it and realizing like, man, I really miss being around kids. Like there were, there was nobody, Mm. um, you know, there were, there were the adults on campus and then there were the students and that was about it. And, um, yeah. And it, it felt like a big hole in my education. And so by the time I actually got back onto a school campus, I hadn't been around kids in such a long time. And, and I'm. I, I like them and I get them and I'm kind of a natural with them. Like that's my comfort zone for uh-huh. sure. So it was easy to get back into it. But it was also a little bit jarring the the first day or two. It's like I had to kind of like get back in that mode. Yeah. And I think about my time 
in elementary music methods. Ironically, I, sorry, I mentioned this at first. Mm-hmm. I was a music composition major, and I was a double major at first, uh, music ed and music comp. I decided to drop my music ed major after taking prior, uh, elementary music methods. So, like, I'm not going to do this. Oh, <laughs> irony upon irony. I don't remember that. Yeah, that's, so that's hilarious. And so it was no feeling to the uh, teacher. It was just like that was my perspective at the time. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think I was going to be doing that. But like, but something I, I remember. I had a really crappy attitude during mine too. Mm-hmm. I'll admit, I was like, oh, I'm never going to use this. <laughs> yeah, I because yeah. the the sis the the paradigms and the systems that we were taught was that you taught you were going to teach band orchestra choir i've never choir. even heard of an elementary music job exactly it's yeah. like, what is that it's like that just we sing little like like, like is Rafi this a songs. theory that this exists how is this a thing this you sounds know? chintzy i'm sorry mm-hmm. it sounds chintzy. it did yeah it yeah. did and it, even my first couple of professional it didn't sound developments serious enough it didn't sound serious and it didn't sound like again because we didn't have that it just we, doesn't sound musically satisfying to <laughs> to teach these songs like okay you're on your own this can't one. <laughs> dig into Bach you know but, I mean actually no in that part you are not wrong like, not right, so much that's Bach but like well just like higher level oh, I guess more we're gonna skilled sit musicians. in a circle sing some Rafi yeah kumbaya alright boys and girls yeah what little experience I did hear about what being an elementary music teacher was like did not sound like fun. Correct. And like I remember even like during the early professional developments that I sat in when I was um my first year is like mm, this feels a little weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like but I so but I remember specifically when I was in elementary music methods, one of the things that we had to do is we had to do uh, maybe like ten we had to observe ten classes or maybe ten hours. I don't remember exactly what it was. I didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. And there was no way for me to go visit those classrooms. Mind you, me visiting those classrooms would have changed my perspective. Yeah. I know it would have. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have that accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the program didn't exactly interweave it to where it was easy for the classroom to come in. I know it's tough. Yeah. But maybe if you all, as a classroom, did a field trip to a, to a school, that would have been easier. You know, I think that that is one of the big failings of um of teacher education in our state to be honest like you can go through your entire undergrad and most of your credential program without ever really setting foot in a classroom and that's not good that's not good i've known several teachers who have gotten into their first year teaching it and going like oh i didn't realize that this is what this was like (laughs) yeah i don't like this and now they've sunk you know six years of education into this focus and they're like oh no I think about so I, we have some friends that uh, have student teachers, mm-hmm. and some of them shared stories about the fact that the student teacher is like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to do this," and mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was their first time actually interacting with kids. Right. Well, especially I, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially right now. Yes. Yeah. But like, it's not good. Like, and it's not. It's not like I know it's difficult to have teachers go into a classroom as a whole. Uh huh. But if you were going to observe a classroom, it shouldn't. I, I'm speaking from my experience specifically. It should not. The onus should not be on me to drive to that classroom if I don't have accessibility to a car or yeah. accessibility to X, X, Y, and Z. Like, right? We have to make. We got to change the curriculum in a different way. I think it's important that you that people who are, who are you know in charge of these programs understand that most people who want to be teachers when they're younger liked school and they were mm-hmm. good at it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you become a teacher and you're like, oh, there's. There's the all the other kids in this class too. <laughs> it's not a class full of me's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoops! How do I do this? And, uh, you mean and, I have to help the kids who don't want to be here? I don't know what that's like. I always wanted to be there. It was funny because we talked about this with Lee and Desandra two episodes mm-hmm. ago, or three. 
because we vote that too. I don't remember. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually did my master's thesis kind of on this line, on, on these lines. Okay. Um, my master's thesis, which I really should have chosen something else. <laughs> so the story behind this, um, I was, we were in our master's class and we were deciding, what do you want to write your thesis on? And they, my, my, the people at my table said, oh, you were a gifted and talented education student. You take care of the notes, X, Y, and Z, as a joke. Whatnot. Uh-huh. And I thought that the people sitting at my ta- table, like they were actually really good educators. Mm-hmm. Really smart educators, but they were not considered gifted or talented during their time in elementary, middle, high mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. And the fact they had to struggle allowed them to see the world differently than I did. Yeah. They saw it as, I need to struggle to, so I can be better. Uh, I, I, they struggled at first, and then they eventually overcame it to the point where they became, got into grad school. For me, as the gifted and talented student. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like I don't I that those words are weird for me. But like uh, it, don't it, make me sing. No, please. Joffrey, <laughs> please. <laughs> but like for me it was like it came naturally, more or mm-hmm. less. And the the fight, the struggle was not there as much. And so yeah. for me, I was like you were saying earlier, like you're usually attracted to a career that you're good at, you know, yeah. like that you think that way. And mm-hmm. so that's why you do it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like for me, I also another element is like I learned how to read music when I was learned how to take piano when I was in four or five, six years old. Like a yeah. lot of these kids, how am I supposed you know, teaching them how to read music is very different. And that was not taught. Yeah. Well, it was. No. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't. For me. Uh, in my really undergrad class, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. In it was always class, kind of assumed that singers really couldn't read music, and I was, I was just like perpetually offended by that because I'm a really good sight reader, and then. And then they would like be like, oh, well, it's because you were in band. I'm like, no, it's not. I did not learn how to read music just in band. I also think there's it's a because strong, I'm an excellent musician. I think there's also a higher <laughs> stress. Uh, there's an unneeded stress towards people learning how to read music. Uh-huh. That's another element for another that time. Is, maybe. That, that's true. I, I, I think so. I To read Western, sorry, European notation, should I say specifically? How we define excellence. Yes. How we define excellent musicianship, I think needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I in ele- like when I was in elementary music methods, I did learn how to, like the different elements of ORF. Yeah, um, Kadai, Dalcros, but they were theories. It and was I a remember, chapter in my book. I don't remember talking about it. We we, we brief. Like, there were theories. And I remember. Uh-huh. I taught. I don't remember who I said this in front of, but I remember when I was learning about Orf, it felt like it was old. Yeah, yeah, I do remember you saying that. It felt because I learned about Lowell Mason, who started in Boston, started uh-huh. music education in uh, the United States, and right after learned about Orf, and there's a huge time differential but Mm -hmm. for me it just felt old it was presented as old and it's like taught in an old-fashioned way as opposed to like utilizing and i'm 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 a folk musician i love folk music but like how it was presented to me is like this is what they learn this is how people can learn yeah dot 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 (laughs) yeah not really explaining that it's a full immersive experience that aligns with the way children play and is a really natural way to teach someone how to compose yeah, I think about my that teacher who I had. It's very possible that she didn't want to. First off, she was very Kadai based, okay. <laughs> but she didn't. She didn't want to give a bias towards one way. She just wanted to present all the different facets: Orf, Dalkros, Kadai, um, the in the, the whole scope of things. Yeah, but like I just didn't know what 
elementary music and elementary music looked like yeah or what it could be right well we had no experience with it yeah 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 <laughs> there's that um movement in music that wasn't a thing i even knew i i ever knew was attached again theoretical uh-huh. but i think really theoretical well so i grew up dancing yeah i loved dance i was in dance classes like mm-hmm. four hours a week from the time i was five years old um i did not attach dance to mm-hmm. music those were two completely different spheres like it's not even a Venn diagram. Like we're just two separate circles, <laughs> right. you know. And like people try to try to connect it. I think about Dan Nelson to bring him up again. Like he, sure. he mentioned how there's in dance many and music countries, in every culture. In, well, he not just that, that, but he would say that in many cultures, the word for dance and music is, is the, the same. same word. I remember him saying. I that. remember that, but like, but it didn't connect until I was student teaching. Actually, hmm. when I had a no, 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 that's not true. I knew. I saw the problem. When I was student teaching, I student. Um, he's saying, I, my, my my master teacher was saying, "All right, you gotta play more than just the notes, not just notes on on page. Mm-hmm. You're playing expression." And the kid says, "Yes, they're just notes on page. They are notes." <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until then I realized, wait, dance. There's a purpose for dance in yeah. music mm-hmm. because it is more than just the notes. It's about right. how do you evoke those notes. But that was not taught to me. I remember occasionally in choir, Dr. Jackson would have us do something to attach a movement to get the phrasing exactly right. Okay. Like we were really having trouble nailing the ending of some phrase. Okay. And so we had us pretend like we were all throwing a baseball. And gotcha. the minute the baseball left our hand, I mean, and it fixed it immediately. Uh-huh. Um and now I get it. Why? Right. And then we were having trouble feeling like a Renaissance piece of music. And so he had us walk around in circles around each other. And like, it's like, this is, that's Delcro's, that's Orf. That's, right. that's all of right. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kodai does it too. Like you mm-hmm. have to attach music and movement. Like they go together. You have to feel it in your body. But it was not broken down for us. It wasn't. It wasn't made explicit. And I feel like also because of the fact that it was limited to just one course, not our undergrad elementary mm-hmm. music methods. Mm-hmm. It was kind of placed in the corner. Sure. And that it w- strings methods. Yeah. You know. But they didn't concert band you didn't methods. Have to see these lines interconnecting and us understanding. Wait. Right. Hold up. There's a purpose, and there's a not just a purpose. This should be valued. It should be, and it shouldn't be valued because that's the feeder program for the middle and high school. Yes. <laughs> yes. Every kid needs to have exposure to music for their for the betterment of their brain development. Very much so. Yeah. So, movement. Uh-huh. Um, movement and music. Here, I'm looking at my notes. Sure, sure. Um, let's see here. Oh, okay. So, let's dig more into classroom management because <laughs> you're right. I you you are right. It's not fair for me to say that it wasn't brought up at all. It certainly was. It was brought up, sure. but But it was assumed. It <laughs> kind of. For at least for me, it was assumed that you knew at least the basis. Sure. Sure. I guess. Um, but what I don't remember ever talking about is dealing with extreme behaviors. And I deal with those every day, mm. every single day. Mm. That wasn't true when I was teaching in a different school, but it is at this school. And I know that it's true for a lot of schools. And I think that that needs to be talked about. Like, yep. what do you do when a kid melts down or starts throwing things or just looks at you in your face and tells you that they hate your class? Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened in my class ever. Oh, ever. Well, pin the blue ribbon upon his chest. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened a lot. Oh, it's happened in mine. I had I had a kid standing in the doorway on Friday going, teacher, like trying to get my attention. 
Okay. Uh, the whole time. Okay. This went on for 30 minutes. And I was like, and I tried to go over and talk to him, deal with him, tell him, you know, this is not how you get my attention. You need to raise my hand. I raise your hand. But oh my God. That's just how I, I, you know, radioed for help. And they, they brought someone over as quickly as they could, but we're short staffed. <laughs> like we talked about in our last episode. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So extreme behaviors. Extreme behaviors. So not special needs, just extreme behaviors. No, not special okay, needs. We'll these are for next uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. we need to talk about that. Yeah. No, these are just general classroom kids who don't have a one-on-one, uh-huh. don't qualify for a mm-hmm. one-on. Maybe don't even have an IEP. Like yeah. just kids who need yeah. extra help. Who I think. Yeah, I think of a lot of students that come through my school that have had like. Suffer PTSD for some reason. Yeah, and, like, and there, there's a, there are different reasons, and there are. for us to think that oh, those are special cases. Lo and behold, they aren't. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, maybe they're like special is a broad term, but like, it's more than you think. Yeah, yeah, and like I, I know our school focuses on MTSS, like mm-hmm. breaking down the tiers of well, not school, our district focuses on breaking down the tiers of like students of different um, behavioral needs mm-hmm. and there's a reason why different we break levels down. of trauma correct yeah and like especially this year yes where we have had we talked about this collective and individual trauma that we've had right like there are, we're going to be having a lot of different behaviors and for i feel like our my mammy's education focused so much on theory mm-hmm. and there was benefit and philosophy and the Tbh, the philosophy was the got, was the was the class that really honed me in because it it? Fo- it it forced me to think about my own personal philosophy and do my actions reflect that. That's good. Um, but that was one course. Yeah, <laughs> that was one course. I I enjoyed it. I'm not I'm not knocking sure. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. But um, when you're in survival mode, you don't have a lot of time to think about nope. philosophy. So, yeah, I think I. I had a I had a kid who exhibited extreme behaviors a few years ago, and I had never received a single training about what to do if a kid was going to go run out of my room. Like I I never ever had anyone talk about that, and I didn't know how to react. I thought like this is my responsibility. This is going to reflect badly on me um, if this kid leaves my room. Um, I don't. I'm responsible for them. I don't want them to go get hurt. And I had no idea what to do. I am going to I think a lot of us and we're going to hit many more bullet points but oh, I, yeah. I, I, I I do remember going through different kinds of courses on this mind you I did have a dual credential I do have a dual credential in uh-huh. music and special ed so I think oh, that okay. might have affected my for sure perspective but in yeah, the end that would have been a lot more helpful it would have been but I, again, it felt just very theoretical. And I go back yeah. to something that we said last month in January in my podcast. Uh, I forget which episode it was, but like we were talking about language acquisition uh-huh. and the four elements that uh-huh. Gabriel Weiner breaks down. It's like, and it's function, it's sound, it's, uh, sorry, it's structure, sound, function, and personal experience. Mm-hmm. And everything, in order for us to give so much information in a short time, direct instruction, it only got to the higher, the, the lower no, no. <laughs> levels one two higher low i don't know how you want to uh, group that but it was not it didn't grab me deep and yeah. so for me to think about oh yeah sure i do think about maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah but what does that even mean there's no personal connection yeah until you actually see it and there wasn't yeah. enough hands on there, there wasn't enough hands on and so I, much busy work there was a there was a lot of just work 
to -hmm. check things off. And if you learn that way, amazing. More power to you. But like, not everyone does. I can hack it out, but I don't think it's sunk in very far. I know how to take a test. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to, that's, I remember people. I can write a paper. (laughs) What is it? Um, People saying, the GATE program, G-A-T-E, I forget what exactly. The, Gifted the joke and talented was, education. That's what it really means. But yeah. the joke was like, oh, it means you know how to take a test. There's some sort of oh. joke acronym. It's That's really what it is. I know how to take tests. I was taught Good how to take taking tests. taking exams? Something, something like that? Something, sure. All right, whatever. We'll stamp it. Awesome. Sure. But yeah, so like there was not enough hands on. Mm-hmm. In the special ed, I had more observational time than general ed because they had, I had to do double hours pretty much. One for my special ed credential, one for my music mm-hmm. credential. But like this was not enough. Yeah. It's true. And in doing so, there's no personal association. You, you know, see the kids failing or succeeding. And I look at all the holes in our education and I think about uh, oh, I made so many mistakes at the beginning, but something that I've that I've always fallen back on, and I think is, you know, I bring it up all the time. If you're not a first time listener, you've probably you've heard me say it almost sixty times now. <laughs> the most <laughs> important thing is that the kids know that you like them and that you're happy to see them, and you have to be a good human being. You have to be a good, safe human being who is happy to genuinely happy mm. to welcome them into your classroom. And that doesn't fix everything, but it sure as heck fixes a lot. That is not that is your philosophy, I think. And, okay. And I I, I I resonate with that. Yeah. But I think about a lot of general ed teachers who believe the notion that you don't smile until quarter two. Well, yeah, but you can be a warm demander. Sure. Like the kids can still know that you have their best interests in mind and okay. you can run a very tight ship. I've got I've we have one of our sixth grade teachers who's like that and his kids adore adore him mm-hmm. and he wins that love and he's a former marine and he runs his classroom like a former sure. marine does yeah like i think he's the perfect example of that mm-hmm. um so yeah i i don't think that those things are opposite at all like but you have but he he comes off being a safe trustworthy teacher a lot differently than i do yeah yeah i also think the fact that general teachers see them much more than we do is no elements oh. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that we've before too. Before. There's a lot less room for error because seven hours a day versus forty minutes a week. Right. Yeah, but yeah, right. But I, I still do believe that that's a philosophy that you have that not enough teachers do. Well, yeah, and I think <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but <laughs> that's why I keep saying it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, you can try all the different um, classroom management strategies in the world and some of them will work for you and some of them won't because some of them are a better fit for your personality and some of them aren't. But I'm telling you, none of them will work if the kids don't believe that you love them. True. I mean, yeah. yeah. We no longer exist in a society where, or in, in um, society is the wrong term, in a system where the kids come to you and they will learn and they will leave. It's like that. I feel like that was the expectation. It's like, oh, you will come into my class. Mm-hmm. Your expectation is to learn. If you're not learning, then you will be punished. And I, th- th- I think we no longer live in a culture where kids just come expecting to to obey. To- yeah, obey the adults because they're adults. Yes. Yeah, they're a lot smarter now. They never. Yeah, we never did. We just went with it before. Yeah. Well, some of us did. Some of us rebelled. 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm speaking broad terms. You are. <laughs> broad structure. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. And, and I completely know, agree with We it. understand better. We live mm-hmm. in an interconnected world where we see that other societies do things differently. And that also people that we aren't isolated more because of the internet. So yeah. because of that, our perspective of, oh, we must obey this administrator, even though we are not being treated great, is no longer, <laughs> is no longer a given. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And at the same time, um, kids, I think, understand that they don't have a lot of power or control over their lives. And so mm. they exert it. The smarter ones <laughs> exert it the only way they can. It's always the smart ones. I know. And it's often smart ones. It's often the smart ones. <laughs> yeah. I respect it, though. I get it. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I'll tell them, too. It's like, yeah. I get where you're coming from. I really do. And you don't have to like my class, but we do have to find a way to coexist peacefully. Right. Mm-hmm. Or else people are not going to want to follow you. That's Well, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, I talk a lot about influence mm-hmm. um, with my students and with my boys. Just, mm-hmm. um, you know, your behavior influences other people. And so... Um, when you're, when you're making these decisions and you're behaving this way, it's not just affecting you. You're, you're tainting the experience of everyone else in here. I like what Hans Chamberlain does. Um, we, do we have him on a podcast? We did. Yeah. Okay. And we've talked about it before. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that he does with the whole, like we are ensemble or we're community and the things that you do affect everyone else. Right. And again, collectivist versus individual culture, but like it's, it's, it's very much in this paradigm. Like, yeah, we are here to work together. Right. And if you want to do something like that's separate from that, like how is that going to affect the rest of it? Think, right. think, think about that. It's like, yeah. Getting kids to think about others is hard. Yep. They're not wired that way. Takes, yeah. Takes personal experience. It does. Well, <laughs> and it takes just years and yeah. growth and brain mm-hmm. connections and all those things. Yeah. It's, it's a process. Uh-huh. You it's had some process. You had something also uh-huh. special ed, I, which uh, yes. I, I think is super important for us to get into. Yeah, I did have one really excellent um, special education methods class in my credential program, okay. but um, it was one. Yeah, it was one class, and uh, and I learned a lot. Uh-huh. And I referred to those notes religiously for years, um, but I needed a lot more than I got just from that. Yeah. So again. Mm-hmm. I was took a different route because mm-hmm. I took I got I did a dual credential in special ed and also general ed mm-hmm. or music ed, um, but it's odd that you only get one class for a very important demographic. Yeah, and if anything, even if your students don't have an IEP or a five hundred four, you were going to have students of different needs. Yes. In every single class. I think our last bullet point would have been like at least understood. Yeah. If special students with special needs was were addressed more directly. Mm -hmm. I think about also the fact that, you know, unfortunately or unfortunately is the wrong term. Sadly, um, we special education is rather young in the United States. Hmm. Like uh, there was this book that was released um, that kind of helped push individuals with disabilities out of institutions it was called um christmas in purgatory okay it was a picture book um you should check it out well or maybe not i don't know <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of it's kind of jarring but it, it's just a, a photographer went inside an institution mm-hmm. um just taking pictures of people of disabilities mm-hmm. strapped down mm. um 
being treated terribly. And it was a means of having people in the United States, oh, let's, let's push these people away. Let's mm-hmm. not do And that was in the 60s. Yep. 1960, I don't remember the date, but like, that's mm-hmm. still pretty new. I recognize that. But it is super vital for us to change our paradigms immediately that we have students with different needs, be it with an IEP or not with an IEP. Mm-hmm. And it's like... We're no longer in the 60s. We're no longer in the Victorian era where we can just like focus on being a prim and proper individual, backs up straight, and stick our minds into the uh, the, the conveyor belt systems. Like, no, yeah. these are, we all have different wirings and we need to understand how we can interact as a group with that. And I, I believe that we're better together and that in, in, that integration and inclusiveness are always always the better way to go mm-hmm. i think if it's done right you know true inclusiveness it's not easy it's not I mean, it is a lot more work and it, you need more people need more people qualified qualified trained good humans and in doing so we need more support for yes. public education yeah yeah <sighs> Anyway, <laughs> oh. we spent a big sigh last episode on that, but um, yeah. So more funding, more humans. More funding, more trained humans. But trained it, humans. It, I, I mean, I think about. I remember I was at some concert and I was talking to a, a student. Uh, was it a teacher, a special ed teacher? It couldn't have been. It must have been just a teacher. I was at this event. Um, and I was talking with a teacher and we were chatting. This before I entered the music program. Uh, I, I, be, sorry, before I entered as a music teacher. Got it. And I was sharing how, yeah, I'm uh, pursuing special education. Mm-hmm. No, she was a special ed teacher. And she was just like, I was like, you know, talking about, you know, the positivity of integration and whatnot. And she was like, no, you can't do that because like yeah. then Johnny won't get the right services, blah, blah, blah. I was like, first off don't use johnny as an example <laughs> you don't win my case that way but also like think bigger yeah think bigger i get it's hard but think bigger and a lot of people who've been doing this a long time burned would out. say they're sure they're burned out and they feel like they're thinking realistically because yeah. they've been in this for decades trying to make a difference and they know that we don't have the funding and we don't have the people and That's so true. and so they're like, well, like, yeah, it's a nice idea, and you're young and starry-eyed, but uh, but there's no way that's actually going to happen. And uh, I hope that that's not true. I I I do think things are changing. I do. I think it's slower than any of us want it to be. Uh, we fight because we believe it's not true. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think everyone I I think there's just a big destigmatization of all of the different diversities that needs to continue <laughs> to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is not just I'm just going to call it. It's just it, as I think about how it's not just a Midwest culture. Yeah. I think a lot of education spawned from that a lot of educational ideas spawned from just the, this culture this one area and then we have to base our expectations off that and i love the midwest don't get me wrong but it's not just a certain kind of demographic it's sure. diverse it is wider people that you're teaching is wider than you think and it's not the people that you teach it's the people that you teach that you the, the kids that you interact will be interacting with them later on yeah so you gotta think bigger yeah and kids like we're not 
It's capitalism, right? Like it, we're not factories. We're not turning out the it's same product. We're not turning out the same product and every single child needs something different. And it's like we have that idea and yet we also have this idea that we need to teach all of the same things at the same time and we need to make sure that the kids are all getting, you know, the the same information and it's it it feels like a mismatch in in some of those those messages that we're being sent with what being a good teacher actually means and how it's assessed. It's a desire because it's funny because it's a desire to be centralized, Uh huh. but recognizing that everything's different, mm-hmm. but everything's more efficient when it is centralized. Sure. Like I think about our, our district, our district's a wonderful, but there's also issues because it's decentralized, but the decentralization helps us. It's a weird mix. It is it's a weird, a weird mix. mix. There's so, no easy way to do it. There's no, there's no, no, there's no perfect way to do it. I think, I, you know, I was thinking about this after the last episode too. It's like, you know, we've got our leaders who have said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to dig this ditch. And if you think the ditch needs to go in a different direction, grab a shovel. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get going here. Yes. But my, my pushback against that is that people profit off of the ditch going a certain way. Yeah, you're right. That is the issue. Yeah. And they've got like, I think about, for example, they got a backhoe. I was, I was baffled i was talking to my friend junior about this like who's an administrator up in up north it was like we both thought covid would help change the scope of what Hmm. um standardized testing would look like yeah there was a lot of hope around that and it didn't why because corporations wanted to make sure that they got funded because capitalism yeah yeah what but, did we not learn in our undergrad? Capitalism. <laughs> what helps fund our undergrad right now, not necessarily most efficiently, capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. We should consider talking about this <laughs> deeper. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, there are a lot of holes in our, uh, thankfully, I, I, mm-hmm. there were a lot of holes in our undergrad, and I know that we're not alone in this, but thankfully, I think we did a decent job, like, leaning on each other when we first became teachers i think that yeah. was the key part and it was our community our community and lo- making sure that we looked outwards as opposed to just relying on our own experiences as educated well i'm talking about educators students of education in our undergrad and yeah credentialing program right find your people find the ones who will cheer you on yeah just like the people that you might see right here on the <laughs> screen Woo! You Hard can do it! so yeah yes we're here to cheer you on. We're here to cheer you on. And mm-hmm. there's also, we have some we have some really cool people that, we're, that we have planned to talk to that will cheer you on as well. Absolutely. Share their own uh, their own narrative as well that I'm sure that you will resonate with. But those, I mean, we do this, it takes a lot of effort and time to do this. And these lights stay on because of the community that's here. Mm-hmm. So we'd really appreciate it. If, make sure you leave us a review, please. Mm-hmm. Five stars only. <laughs> but I remember I, I, back in the season one, I was like, oh, you can give one star, five stars. Just be just, honest. Just, no, five stars. Five okay. Only. <laughs> I'm looking at you. Yeah. Five stars. <laughs> or, uh, I'm feeling feisty tonight. I'm feeling a little feisty. Um, you can also send us a message. If you if this topic resonated with you or if you have some criticism about it, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email yeah. at Kara Karmic. And if you learned Karmic everything in undergrad, I want to know where you went. Seriously. And send it to us at canonicarnicross.gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> ah, more spiccata after break. 
I want to take a quick break and thank my husband, Brian, who's been working behind the scenes producing these episodes every week on all of the platforms and on time. But you need to know that he is first a financial planner for Mission Trails Financial. Mission Trails Financial is a partner that seeks to guide clients in the journey to financial success. They believe that people need a financial advisor that aims to provide strategies for success. Mission Trails Financial helps people navigate investments, tax planning, and insurance. Imagine working with an advisor who isn't tied to specific brands. Mission Trails Financial has a fiduciary responsibility to act in the best interests of their clients by providing independent, objective advice. Their mission is to help clients accomplish their financial goals. As Joe Vitale once said, a goal should scare you a little and excite you a lot. Do yourself a favor and set up a time to chat with Mission Trails Financial. Visit www.missiontrailsfinancial.com or call 619-419-0238 to schedule a call. You'll be glad you did. We believe that leaning on professionals is how we get ahead. Check out the program notes for more information. I have a spiccato, my friend, and it is a shoebox. Okay. We are not sponsored by this company. We are not. <laughs> Okay, a shoebox. It's a shoebox. It's an empty shoebox. So I remember um, there, so Arthur the Aardvark. Okay. They are reaching their, it's their 25th season, mm-hmm. their last season Aww. on PBS at least. We don't know what's going to happen. But there was an mm-hmm. episode. They did always like, uh, now a word from us kids. And they'd mm-hmm. go into classrooms and like they did this one episode with kids creating instruments. Oh, yeah. And there was one with a shoebox. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what they did is shoebox. Rubber bands. Oh, yeah. And, you know, playing like a little guitar. Sure. I don't know if this is possible, but is there a way to tighten those rubber bands to make to alter the pitch? So no, just... when I've tried it before, the biggest problem I have is that the walls cave in uh, when you try to tighten them. So if you reinforced them with something, probably. Yeah, yeah. A little styrofoam inside, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've done a recycled instrument unit every year for a very long time. I show the Land Philharmonic um, documentary, which is excellent if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then we just, we go into the maker space and we have a bunch of recycling stuff in there and the kids go for it. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's cool. All right. Do you have them sing? Uh, no, not usually with that one. We just come up uh, with like a, a, a percussion piece. Round and round the <laughs> earth Could do that. Could do that. How about you? What would you do with issue box? Well, you can cover them in contact paper, and they make excellent storage. <laughs> okay. I mean, if you're <laughs> okay, as a teacher, I mean, we need storage. We do, yeah. we do, and we don't have budgets, and so you know, a lot of us are not high enough ones. But yes, yep. of course, it's an excellent percussion instrument. Um, I use them um, sometimes. I cover them with um, pieces of fabric, and I use them to help me with um, changing displays too. Okay. In, in the classroom okay. um, or when uh, when I'm helping my art teacher get stuff ready for gallery shows. Okay. Um, then we cover shoe boxes and actually she saved all of the boxes my ukuleles came in and they <laughs> they do make excellent art displays. <laughs> okay. Actually, speaking of art displays, I'm thinking about level one or if, uh, uh-huh. the whole shadow box. Oh, yeah. You do that. You could do that. Cut the back of the box, uh, the, the, the bottom end words and then have some <laughs> words white are hard. on. Words are hard. Yeah, so that's I mean, an option. Yeah, there's. I I think they're great. I always save them. I try not to throw them away. If you have an idea about what How you would do you with use a shoebox, shoe let us know. Mm-hmm. Round of the week. 
And then um, I did bring a round of the week. I use Frere Jaca a lot okay. in my class, um, and I use it for different things. Um, I had a kindergarten teacher a long time ago tell me that she sang instead of yelling, and I thought that was brilliant, and I've talked about that before. Whenever I feel myself get frustrated, and this is another reason why I wear the microphone, and I have for years, and I will never stop as long as I teach. Um, I really don't like to raise my voice above this level when I'm teaching or when I'm in my, my voice will get more firm if it's mm-hmm. needed, but I really don't like raising my voice. It doesn't make me feel good. Um, and, uh, and singing makes me feel good. And so, um, I found that I also capture the attention of the little ones a lot better, um, when I sing. And mm-hmm. so I use Frere Jaca, like, are you in line? Are you in line? Eyes on me, eyes on me. Put your bumpers up, put a bubble in your mouth, follow quietly, quietly. Don't forget rule number five. Yeah, right. <laughs> Be good humans. Um, or if we're on the carpet, are you crisscross? Are you crisscross? Eyes on me, hands in your lap, quietly. I use it all the time. Okay. And they like it. Cool. And it puts us in a good mood. Mm-hmm. And if my children at home are not listening to me, um, I sing the directions and it disrupts their brainwaves and they hate it because they can't tune me out. It's great. <laughs> I said to please go upstairs and fold your laundry. <laughs> it's the best. Hashtag Do mom hack. Use that? <laughs> What's use that? Use that? All the time. Ah. All the time. And they're so, they're my kids, so they're very musically inclined. And gotcha, they, gotcha. They can't loon it out. Anyway, so this is a Frere Jaca. I use this to teach articulation, quarter notes, and um, eighth notes. So it's walking, 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 hop, 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 running, 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 running. Now we stop. Now we stop. That's it. But walking would be a little bit more legato and then hopping would be more staccato. So not just on notation, but also expressionism. Right. Exactly. And then, you know, obviously we do it while walking and hopping Mm -hmm. and running, but we have to talk about how it's a classroom run. It's not a playground run. So my my issue, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to remember your class. So my class is one of the portables. Oh, yeah. Uh The floor. The boom. The boom. That's a real issue. I would take this one outside then. Do you have an outdoor space you can use? During these times? Question mark. No. I mean, we do. We You'd could. have to take a walk. It depends on the time of the day and such. Like, it's during lunchtime. That's it's recess time. And like... Yep. I do take class outside a lot these mm-hmm. days. A lot more than I ever have before. I did before, though, because it's so nice where we live. It is nice. Yeah. yeah. It's the middle of winter, and it yeah. was like 75 today. <laughs> What's snow? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You have to drive like two and a half hours to see that. All right, are we All ready? Right. Shall um, we? Can't see the words. There we go. No, you can't see them. Wow. Just kidding. Okay. Walking, 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 walking. Hop, hop, hop. Hop, hop, hop. Running, running, running. Running, running, running. Now we stop. Now we stop. Walking, 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 walking. Walking, 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 running, 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 now we stop, now we stop. 
Yay. Noise. That was fun. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. And so did you make this? I didn't. No, that okay. it, it, it's just kind of one of those things that's floated around on the internet so gotcha, long. Or gotcha. just, it might have been an, uh, one of the ones from We Sing back okay. in the day. Okay. Um, digging back in my brain from my mommy and me days. Mm. But I have seen it used so many times that who knows where it originated <laughs> well if they I, I know you have a lot of resources whether it's yeah. your own or like you know from elsewhere where can they reach you if they wanted to get some sure ideas? yeah feel free to message me i'll be thrilled mrs dot pridmore on instagram and at finney vapa on twitter and you can reach us reach me i have some resources not as many yet <laughs> yet as mrs pridmore but you can reach me at mr seligman m-r-s-e-l-i-g-m-a-n on all the socials twitter insta TikTok, chicken nugget. I don't know. And, <laughs> and then you can reach us at CH Classroom <laughs> on all the socials. Um, be it. Do you think we'll have the, the, the thing thing up yet? The thing thing? Yeah. The, the, yeah the pee-pee? I think we shall. Okay. We can reach on all the socials, <laughs> not PP. <laughs> on, um, on Twitter, on mm-hmm. Instagram, on Facebook, also on Patreon.com. Yep. We're um, launching it. If- if you find this valuable, we've got some fun stuff for our Patreon Indeed subscribers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so find us there on CH Classroom, on all those socials, also at Patreon. Please check that out. Yep. Um, I will be sharing my um, quarter rest and articulation lesson that goes cats. along with this for the Patreon. And except for YouTube, don't go there for CH Classroom. Go to Chaotic Harmony Classroom at um, YouTube, sorry, YouTube.com slash Chaotic Harmony Classroom. You can also email us. If you want to just chill or chat, mm-hmm. classroom at gmail.com. Let us know, actually, seriously, let us know if uh, what we shared was like resonated with you. Did you have mm-hmm. a perfect um, <laughs> educational background that taught you how to be an amazing elementary music educator? Please do let us know. We're curious. Do. Or add on to it. If you if there's something that we did not talk about today mm-hmm. that you have had a rough time with that was a major hole in your undergrad, send us a voice memo. We'll play it on the air. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Until next time. Bye. Bye. The Chaotic Harmony Podcast is a joint project between Crystal Pridmore and Jonathan Seligman. You can find us online at chaoticharmonyclassroom.com. You can email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail and let us know what you think. Give us feedback about what you would like to hear in future episodes. We're on all the socials. Find us on facebook.com slash chaoticharmonyclassroom. You can find us on Twitter at chclassroom, Instagram at chaoticharmonyclassroom, and you can even find our episodes on YouTube. Chaotic Harmony is the name of our channel. Special thanks to Brian Pridmore for his help with production and equipment. www.pridmoria.com I'd like to take a quick break and thank my friend Jonathan for putting up with my every day. <laughs> <laughs>